0: and how to register. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast. This is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and I'm so grateful that you're here today. I wanted to share some of the Al Anon book studies that were part of my bonus episodes for Apple subscribers and Patreon members with our general community. This is really important because so many of you come to this podcast because you are dealing with somebody in your life who has an addiction, that it has affected you in a negative way. What I did for these seven episodes is I read out of how Al-Anon works for families and friends of alcoholics on a variety of different topics. And so each week for the next seven weeks, I'm going to go ahead and post those for everyone. I hope that you enjoy them. And if you want more of what these types of episodes offered you, I encourage you to become a Patreon member or an Apple Podcast subscriber. Thank you for supporting the Recover Your Soul podcast. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week, and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to the subscribers and Patreon members of Recover Your Soul. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting my mission to have a community where anyone who is looking for soul recovery, who has an addiction, has been affected by addiction, or is just looking for a happy and healthy way to have their life that is founded on spirituality has a place to be. So I appreciate you spending your time with me. And I just am so grateful for this community. So let's go back into our deep dive. We have been covering the book, How Al-Anon Works for Families and Friends of Alcoholics. We've covered the power of attitude, gratitude, and expectations, serenity and the serenity prayer, forgiveness, treating ourselves well, learning how to have a more mental and spiritual healthy attitude. And we are now at communication, chapter 13, and I'm just going to jump right in. Once we're able to take care of ourselves, we have much more to bring to our relationships with others. The way we relate to others depends in a large part upon the way we communicate. So it's useful when examining our relationships to consider what we say and how we say it. For instance, do we say that we mean what we say or say what we mean? Do we state our needs and desires or sit back and wait for others to read our minds? Do we agree to do things that we really don't want to do, saying yes when we really mean no? Do we express our feelings and communicate our appreciation for those in our lives? Or do we keep silent or deny what we feel out of fear or habit? Those are great questions. So this next section is called Recognizing Old Patterns. And I want you to think for a minute as I read this, which ones of these really connect with you? Or maybe things that you've actually worked on and give yourself credit and celebration for knowing that you used to have some of these patterns and you've moved past them. Or maybe wondering, oh, I didn't really realize I had this pattern, but maybe I do. Just a reminder to always be gentle with yourself and this recovery process is slow and steady. And the first step to making change is to recognize what we need to improve so none of us are broken this is not about taking people who are broken this is about improving who we are and having happy and healthy lives that we take responsibility for ourselves and if you're thinking you know i don't have an alcoholic in my life this is for anybody who's had an addiction or a behavior pattern or a dysfunction that has affected you in a negative way. Okay, let's start. Recognizing old patterns. Many of us have formed patterns of communication that linger, even though they may have outlived their usefulness, right? What is not working for us anymore? What is no longer serving us? For example, before recovery, many of us kept quiet or agreed to unreasonable requests in order to avoid conflict. At that time, we lacked the ability to take a stand or act out on our own behalf. Today, we might perpetuate that behavior out of habit, even though we have other alternatives. I love this because as we're moving into our soul recovery, as we're having success, as we're growing and learning and changing, we have to also recognize old patterns that no longer serve us. And it is so often that we had a relationship with somebody and maybe they're still coming at you with their old patterns that they haven't gotten to the work that you've done. And again, this isn't about what they're doing. This is about what we're doing. When we have control of ourselves and we can recognize, oh, I'm so used to somebody blowing up or I'm so used to this fear that I have that it's going to all go bad or that it's all going to fall apart so I'm not communicating in a way that's healthy that's just that recognition just sort of come back and say okay this is an old pattern I don't have to live this way anymore so it goes on to say now that we're working to improve our lives we may want to stop making promises and threats that we will not carry out For example, swearing that the addict will have to leave if he or she does another behavior that undermines your credibility if it's merely an idle threat. This is a really good one because I know that for me, it was like I didn't have control in my life. I felt so out of control, so there was places in me where I would make demands and you know that one of my demands in Rich and I's first time of getting sober was if you drink, I'll leave. Well, he stayed not drinking, but he wasn't emotionally sober. He wasn't in recovery. And it was kind of like the only card that I felt like I had on the table that I had control over. And yet it wasn't healthy at all for any of us. And I think that so often will say threats but they know that it's not true or we're controlling them in a way that isn't healthy for anyone so as we're moving into healthier mental spaces as we're moving into a better way of thinking and feeling and responding we don't want to be using threats idle threats or real threats making a threat for somebody is not a way of having happy, clean, clear communication. It is an unhealthy way of being and we're moving towards health. So it says, before uttering such vows, we would be wise to ask ourselves whether or not we mean what we say. May also have to learn to say no some of the time, even if it means disappointing others, even when the request is important to them. How many of us say yes when we really mean no? And then the whole time that we're helping or doing for, or being the good boy or girl that is pleasing somebody underneath, we know that that wasn't the right thing to do. It didn't feel right to us. And to say no to somebody when we're afraid of disappointing them is a big step. It's a big, big step in our recovery But it's important for us to be authentic in what we really need and think and feel. It is better to disappoint somebody and have honesty of what's going on and let them deal with their emotions and not feel responsible for them than it is for us to be in a situation where we're discrediting ourselves and what we really needed at that time. Such honesty is not only good for us, it's much more respectful of other people than grudgingly offered favors laced with resentments. Exactly. It goes on to say, some of us keep our wants, needs, and thoughts and feelings to ourselves, expecting that anyone who truly loves us would somehow figure them out, or at least ask the right questions at the right time. But people, even those who love us a great deal, cannot always guess what's in our hearts and minds, nor is it their job to do so part of our obligation to ourselves is to stop putting life on hold while waiting for others to allow us to live it. I'm going to repeat that sentence because that's a really strong one. Part of our obligation to ourselves is to stop putting life on hold while waiting for others to allow us to live it. In soul recovery, we are taking our power back we are taking responsibility for our own lives. We are moving away from the part of us that has been wanting someone else to give us permission to live our life. That we are looking to somebody else to show us or tell us it's okay to be who we are. We know who we are now. And we are going to live fully in who that is. And we don't need somebody to give us permission. It says communicating what we want others to know about us is strictly our responsibility. That's right. We are taking our responsibility back. We are taking our power back. Sometimes we may hesitate to speak out because we fear the consequences of doing so. Yet we overlook the consequences we pay by being quiet. Such silence can perpetuate our frustration, reinforce our fear of conflict, and cause us to believe that what we have to say really is unimportant. In this way, we demonstrate a lack of respect for ourselves and for other people. All we have to offer to anyone is ourselves. If we hold back and timidly refuse to risk being ourselves, we diminish our relationships. Can you think for a moment and just close your eyes and imagine that you can be your full self, that you can step past the need to please and to fix and to caretake everybody, that that consequence that we overlook by staying quiet is the consequence to ourselves. And that there is hope, that there is a way, that there is a path to lead us to where we can be our true selves. And it can be great change in our lives. And it can just be tiny change in our lives. We are all in different places. But the change begins inside of us, inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, inside of our decisions of how we are going to choose to see the world. To interact with people, to share our voice, to have a voice, and that we don't need to ask anyone's permission. And the fear that we have of conflict is actually keeping us from our lives. We can have a voice, we can be ourselves, and yet it comes from a healthy place, it comes from a strength place, it comes from a place of being connected to your higher power. It comes from a place of letting go of all of that past trauma, all those past patterns, and moving forward in your life, having your strength, having your fullness. I love that. Do not have the consequence in your life of being quiet. So it goes forward to say it is worth noting, however, that if we're dealing with someone who is drunk violent using this kind of honesty may be ill advised real communication requires at least some participation from both parties and if one of those parties is not in his or her right mind the effort is likely to be wasted this may even be dangerous in such a case talk things over with a sponsor or a trusted friend and they can help you determine appropriate course of action This is a really great thing to remember because we're working on our health. We're changing our lives, but the people around us aren't in that same place yet. And especially if you have someone in your life who is actively using, actively dysfunctional, actively in their addiction, they're not in a place where they can feel you. They're not in a place that they can understand you. They are wrapped up in their addiction. Being an addict myself and having gone through this and having come out the other side, there is always hope for that person too. Just like there's hope for you, just like you have moved forward and done something profound in your life, we just have to hold the space for them to have that opportunity for themselves. We're just not forcing it, we're not consuming ourselves with. Our lives will be okay if they can change. But we also have to keep ourselves safe. We have to know when it's okay to talk to somebody and when it isn't. That if somebody is under the influence, they're not going to be present for you. They're not going to hear you. They may not even remember. They might be violent. So be conscientious of what times, whether they're going to be open to it, what these communications are and be aware of those circumstances about is this person a healthy person to have in your life in whatever circumstance it is whether it's a friend or a neighbor or a spouse or a kid sometimes you have to pick you first so then it goes on to say then there are those of us who never hesitate to say what's on our minds We don't stop to think about what we want to convey or how to best say it. We just automatically spit out the words. Not everyone needs to know everything that comes to our minds, and some circumstances are not always suitable for personal discussion. Honesty is a great gift to give to any relationship, but diplomacy and consideration for the feelings of others and the appropriateness of the situation are also important. Many of us benefit from learning the value of silence. This one is interesting because I think this one was me, that I thought that I was sharing my truth. I thought that I wanted to put my two cents in for everything. I wanted to have an opinion on everything. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew what my advice was, what I thought needed to come out of the situation and especially in dealing with my husband and my kids it's like there wasn't space for them to have whatever their interactions were going to be and what i what i realized for myself was that i so was looking for validation in being smart since my major old belief system had a lot to do with not being smart enough that some part of me wanted to make sure that I was putting my smart two cents in and that I just was kind of like nonstop sharing my mind all the time. And as I've gotten quieter, as I've calmed down the way that I think, as I've stripped down all of these old belief structures and pause. That's why there's so many pauses in my speaking when I'm doing my podcast as well. I pause to think, is this what I really need to say? What am I really trying to say? Is this necessary? Is it kind? Am I just filling space? Am I trying to make a point of something? Why am I coming back with a retort when it doesn't even need to have something? What is the purpose for the speaking? We don't have to share everything we think with somebody else and everything that we think in our mind isn't necessarily healthy or true. So sometimes letting that chatter just slow down and start to settle and let your mind start to realize it doesn't have to be talking all the time. That's valuable. That's not only valuable in your relationships, but it's valuable in the way that you think, in the way that you treat yourself. It will also slow down the chatter of the judge that's in there trying to talk to you. So it goes on to say, this is especially true for those of us who are prone to dispensing unwanted advice or criticism. Since we can't truly know what's best for other people, our opinion about what they should or shouldn't do is likely to do more harm than good. We can be supportive without trying to influence other people's choices. If asked, we can share our own experiences without insisting on appearing to have all the answers. I'm going to raise my hand and say that I was pretty sure that I thought I knew all the answers. And as I've done more and more soul recovery, I realize not only do I not have all the answers, but I have more clarity on the complexity for the other people in my life that their side of where they're coming from, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, where they were at when they had their reactions has become more clear at how complicated that is. And that I so often was coming from only my perspective of my hurt, my needs, and that there's so many sides to all of it. And that this unwanted advice or criticism, even the piece of making sure that we're correcting somebody for something, whether they parked correctly or did something at an office job or our kids, it's like... Do they need a constant correction? Do they need constant advice of how they should be doing it? I was just talking to a coworker today and she said that she heard the thing of like if I were you, I would do this. And the truth is, you aren't them. You don't know everything that's going on inside of them. You actually don't know. Why they're making the choices that they're making, because there's so much more underneath there that we don't understand. So, what you're really saying to them is if you were me, this is what I would do, which is very different than saying if I were you, because we are not them. That trying to constantly influence other people's choices is detrimental to the relationship and it's detrimental to that person. So not having all the answers sometimes is the greatest answer that you can give. It says we communicate our faith in the ability of other people to solve their own problems rather than trying to do it for them. We can learn that sometimes it's best just to keep our mouth shut. We can communicate our faith in the ability for them to solve their own problems by keeping our mouth shut. And it doesn't mean inside of our heads that we're not having some opinion about it, having some heartache about it, having some frustration about it, feeling saddened by it. Those are real feelings. Those are your feelings to have inside of you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to have them out loud. And for some reason, I'm having the memory of Rich and I made an agreement when we got married that we would do two things. One was that we would never lie to each other. And that has 99% been true. And the other one was that we wouldn't say spiteful, mean things. And I've told the story to people many times where, you know, you can shout F you or just terrible, awful things to people. hate you or... Whatever those things are that are in your heart because you're in so much pain at that moment. And you can say those things, but you can never take them back. They're not real. They're an expression of the, the pain that you feel in that moment. But that person forever knows and feels those things that you said. But it doesn't mean that I didn't think them. It didn't doesn't mean that somewhere in me in all these 30 years that we've been together that I wasn't so angry, but I'm proud that I kept so much of that rage, that language that just is so unhealthy inside of me and thought the things and then went and did something about it that was either journaling or art or getting away or whatever it was in those times, then the times it was actually a lot of drinking. But When we are learning to have new communication with people, you can have that frustration, you can have those ideas, just practice thinking them and monitoring whether it's something that is kind, healthy, and correct for that time to say, and that it should never be something that's a word or some idea that you can't take back. We always want to be kind. It goes on to say, likewise, those of us who rarely have anything constructive or positive to say must have to be quiet until we can find a more balanced way to talk to others. If the only attention we have ever received was critical or negative, we may know no other way to relate to others. But such negativity is destructive. I was at the grocery store the other day and I don't know why. Just talking to this checker, and she asked me something, and I said something about what I do, and she said, "Oh, you should tell that to my grandfather. All he ever does, he thinks that the best way to show love is to is to tell you how wrong you are." And my heart just broke, because here is this young girl whose entire upbringing was around critical words. You could tell that it has affected her. And it's going to be a long time till she learns how to have communication with people that isn't critical or negative. And that is true for so many of us, but we are not that. We are not that. This does not mean that this is how we have to continue on our lives. You are here doing soul recovery. You are interested. You are listening. You are doing your work. And that means that you are on that next step of learning how to step away from being raised in critical and negative environments, to stop, stop the pattern, to stop it here. It goes on to say gossip is equally destructive. Not only do we avoid focusing on ourselves when we gossip, but our disrespect for others reinforces self-defeating attitudes about relationships. When we gossip, we create a judgmental and competitive atmosphere in which no one can feel comfortable about being themselves or expressing their feelings. Because gossip undermines Al Anon's healing nature, it's considered one of the three obstacles to success in Al Anon. I think the interesting thing, as well, in my personal recovery, that I can recognize is I used to gossip and what I can see now is that it's so much easier to spend a whole bunch of time complaining about other people and how they should be. If they, if I were them, this is what I would do if they were me. Right. But the truth is we don't have control of any of those people. What we're really doing is not looking at ourselves. We're not turning the attention to ourselves. We're passing judgment. And when you're around somebody else who's passing a whole bunch of judgment on somebody, you know that they're passing judgment on you. You know that behind your back, they're passing judgment on you. Does that make you feel safe? No. Were people safe in me that I would sometimes be critical? Not really. Why are we spending time and energy on gossiping when the truth is, We should be turning the attention to ourselves, bettering ourselves, and making sure that what comes out of our mouth is clean, clear communication that is kind and uplifting. And if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. And this can be hard. I know you've heard also the story of Rich and I that we would talk about our son. And I'm going to say this is kind of like gossip. It's like you find somebody else to put all the attention on, whether it's Let's say you have a family member that you're unhappy with and so ours was our son or you're at work and you have a coworker that you're unhappy with. You have a friend that you're frustrated with and all you do is you just whip up all of this constant drama about how this person isn't what you wanted. Well, Rich and I talked constantly about our son and it wasn't healthy because we had a very differing opinions of what to do about it and how to relate to him and what how we could manage it. So we were not being a combined parent. And two, that at this point, he was old enough to be failing or succeeding on his own. And so we were wrapping up this constant replay of a conversation that wasn't healthy for us. There was nothing we could do about it just like you can't do about a coworker, just like you can't do about a friend. But all that attention took away from us working on our relationship, working on ourselves. And then we'd throw back a couple beers or a margarita and check the fuck out and pretend like what we were doing was okay when we were miserable, miserable. When that changes, when you change the gossip, we made a decision to stop talking about him and we had nothing to say. We had nothing to talk about. We literally would go to meals and go out to eat, and we had no idea what to talk about. We had spent so long commiserating and rehashing and replaying this old record of fighting about our kids that there was nothing to talk about. So we were just quiet for a long time. Then when the boys moved away and we really had nothing to talk about because we didn't know what they were doing and they were having space from us, we had to relearn how to speak to each other. We had to relearn interests. We had to watch television and find ways to communicate. What if when you're with people, you're not just spending all that time and energy hashing out someone else? gossiping on someone else it's very interesting and it's interesting because i actually like some reality tv and i realize it's because it can kind of fill my gossip cup but it maybe it's okay because i'm watching it on tv and i'm not doing it myself but i also recognize that it's probably not totally okay so i'm still working on it okay going back to the reading so it says um because gossip undermine Al-Anon's healing nature is considered one of the three obstacles to success in Al-Anon. The other obstacles, dominance and discussion in of inappropriate topics such as specific religion tenets at Al Anon meetings, are also communication problems that we need to take seriously if we hope to grow and heal in Al Anon. So again, it's kind of like in Al Anon, they're saying, you know, don't talk about religion. Same here. Whatever your higher power is, it's kind of like, don't talk about religion or politics with people. And it's true as we get more and more divisive in religion and politics, is it important to make sure that we're making sure our side is seen? Are we going to stand on that hill or can we just let people be who they are? I think it's important to let people be who they are. So it says pausing before we speak and thinking about what we are really trying to say can be the beginning of healthier interactions. On the other hand, cold, angry silence can be more biting than vicious words. Are we silent because it's in our best interest to say nothing or because we have nothing to say or are we using silence as a weapon? I have been known to do this. Here too, Care must be taken to be clear about our motives. We're also wise to examine our motives when we find ourselves repeatedly airing the same thoughts. It's marvelous to be able to express ourselves, but do we have a hidden agenda? When we state our feelings about the actions of another person for the fourth time, it's likely we're trying to make that person change those actions rather than simply trying to share openly. Or perhaps we're attempting to influence other people's reactions to someone we love. Oh my goodness. I was really, really, I was really good at this where I thought, you know, I know I've said this 700 times, but if I just say it one more time, just the right way, maybe I can manipulate them to do what I think is the right way. That's not helpful. And it doesn't mean that you can't share your needs. It's about this manipulation. It's about sort of saying something again and again and again when we're not being clear about what's really going on. Because if we just think, if we just keep saying it, they're finally going to give in as if this time they're finally going to listen. This isn't good. It says the next line is, this is not self-expression. This is manipulation. This is manipulation. If you just think, man, if I just let's use clothes, for example, if you think that you're going to make some snide comment about the socks and underwear being on the floor for the 700th time, that maybe they're going to pick up the socks and put them into the hamper. But we can do it in a clear way that isn't actually this sort of snarky manipulation or haphazard way of trying to not actually say what you want to say but from the side you're much better off to say when you leave your socks and underwear on the floor instead of putting them in the hamper it makes me feel really frustrated because i feel like i'm supposed to pick them up and the hamper's right there and so it would show me a lot of respect and love for me if you could just move the socks and underwear just a foot into the hamper. And they may go, oh, I totally didn't realize that that was the situation. Now, the socks and the underwear are going to end up in the hamper sometimes, and they're going to end up on the floor sometimes. But it's a slow process. It's a slow process. So just using that, repeating the same thing over and over and over again, Be mindful of what the motivation is behind it. So it says by examining our motives, we can better stop ourselves from sabotaging the healthy interchange of ideas that we're trying to cultivate. We're running a little bit long, so thank you for staying with me. The last little section just says be mindful of your tone. Be aware of how it's coming out. Pay attention. Give yourself some space in between what you're saying to calm yourself down you know one of the the things that they say is just pause just pause and reflect and think about what you're going to say first and if you can do this communication piece this is not for them this is for you this is for yourself to be able to more clearly state what you're thinking what you're feeling what you're needing Last night, Rich and I had such a great success in our movement and working with each other and being a better couple. And we were driving down to Denver for band rehearsal. I'm singing a backup singing in one of Rich's rock bands. And we're driving down and he's driving and he starts to give me some instructions on how I should be a backup dancer and how I should move my body in the backup dancing I said something snarky back and kind of made a teasing, like, yeah, no, I just thought I would just stand there like a bump on a log. And I was so happy that what he said was, Hey, Rach, when you come back at me like that, that really hurts my feelings because I'm just trying to have conversation with you and I'm really excited that you're going to be in the band with me. And that felt really hurtful. And I thought, wow thank you for saying that. And so I said, thank you, Rich, for saying that. I didn't realize that I was doing that. I, if I really am honest, I'm reacting to worrying that you're trying to think that I was going to do something wrong. And that goes back to my core belief that I'm going to fail. And we were able to have this really sweet communication that was about honesty of feelings. And I was able to take responsibility for coming back with a snarky comment, which was really covering my insecurity. And he was able to say what he really needed. That's huge for us. That's like huge movement. And so instead of like having some crunchy, weird drive down to the rehearsal and not be really in, it allowed us to really connect in that moment and to be honest with each other about what we were thinking and feeling because there's always something underneath there's always some depth of feeling underneath that comes from our basic fears we're not enough and we won't be loved that's what we're working on in soul recovery to remind you that you are enough that you are everything that you are worthy beyond measure and that you absolutely are deserving of love and the first love starts with you So we'll pick up on the book. There's just a little bit left of this part of how Al-Anon works and then we'll start working on something else. I hope this was helpful to you and that it will help you in your communication. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how, here's your call to action. If you're ready for real interchange and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our Soul Recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover Your Souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect, and there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about Soul Recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday. If you are an Apple podcast subscriber or Patreon member, I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community with me and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review And to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, Thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul.